Hi there, my name is Carrie Conover and I went from classroom teacher to ed tech leader to CEO in five years. I'm here to share the stories and wisdom of teachers who have successfully transitioned from the classroom to the boardroom. Let me help you let go of the guilt, start building your skills and create your own path to a new career outside of the classroom. Welcome to Classroom to Boardroom. I'm so glad you're here. Hello, my Classroom to Boardroom friends. Welcome back to another episode. I'm so excited that we are deep into season two. We have been learning so much about the stories of teachers and educators that have transitioned out of the classroom into a role at an education company. I really am so passionate, as you all know, about keeping teachers who no longer feel like the classroom is the right fit for them. I'm so passionate about keeping those teachers in the education space and helping them drop that guilt. And today we're going to talk to Donnelly Kroll. She is going to talk to us about her journey from the classroom into customer success. So Donnelly, welcome to the Classroom to Boardroom podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Carrie. I'm excited to be here. You know, I just said that I think your voice sounds like Jenna Kutcher. So if any of you out there listen to podcasts, Jenna Kutcher's Gold Digger podcast is one of my go-to podcasts about business. And you two have like the same voice. So this is going to feel like I have like this person I've admired for a long, long time on my podcast. And I have a feeling I'm going to admire you from this point forward as well. So thanks for being here. (laughs) So Donnelly leads the customer success. You all know that I came from a customer success background. It is my favorite, if you can't tell. But Donnelly leads the customer success team at Skillstruck, where she focuses on customer engagement and satisfaction with the products and services they provide. As a previous middle school teacher herself, Donnelly enjoys working within the education ecosystem. After teaching special education and Spanish for two years in a charter school in Southern California, Donnelly decided to pursue her passion in international relations and affairs in the business industry. She obtained a master's of science in global leadership and MBA wow, busy woman, from the University of San Diego, where she had the opportunity to travel to more than 20 countries in two years to really understand globalization. Originally from San Diego, California, and from Mexican roots, she enjoys spending time traveling to Mexico, often to visit her older family members and exploring more of her culture. She also enjoys spending time with her husbands and dogs at the beach and soaking up the sun whenever possible. This sounds like an amazing life. (laughs) Okay. Tell me about your dogs. Yes. uh, So I have two dogs. They're both rescues from the Humane Society. Love them. They're my babies. Both of them are Australian Shepherd mixed border collie dogs. Years old. We have Rizzy, who is, of course, named after Anthony Rizzo from the Cubs. Yes. (laughs) I'm a Cubs fan, and Rizzo is like probably my favorite player. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's Rizzy. She's four years old. And then we have Coco, who's a little tiny husky mix as well. And she's two years old. So we love our dogs. They're the best. Dogs are the best friends. Now, who's the alpha person in your house? Like, I have a Beagle Butch. 
And even though my children and husband will not admit it, like I am his person. He literally follows me all over the house, everywhere. So who in your, who does Rizzy follow around and who does Coco follow around? A hundred percent me. They will always follow me. A hundred percent. My husband blames me all the time because he's like, I'm here the majority of the time at home. I feed them and they don't care about me. You, They're just waiting until mommy gets home and- <laughs> We're going to the park and we're going to the beach because she does all the fun stuff. This, now, okay, I heard this theory that whomever's lap the dog laid in on the way home from wherever you, the shelter or whatever, is the person that they are the most attached to. So is that true for Rizzy and Coco? Yes, that's so interesting. That did happen for both of them. I think that's, we got our dog Butch in iowa in a very tiny small town it was a farmer's wife and i knew she loved that butch because when we drove away she was crying and she she hobby breeds like beagles you know very healthy way but like she was crying when we walked away and i thought from one mom to another like i get it (laughs) so so adorable well let's talk about you and your career so tell us the general story of your career yeah so Early on, you know, both my parents are Mexican immigrants. So, you know, I, I was saying I don't like abiding these stereotypes on immigrant families, but both my parents were always pushing for me to be a doctor, a lawyer, a stockbroker, what they see as successful, right, in the American dream. And that's where I was heading. Like, until I hit high school, I was like, I'm, I'm going to go to med school. I'm going to do great things. And Um, I'm going to break that cycle of intergenerational poverty and fulfill that American dream for my parents. And then as I got out of high school, and it's so interesting, the college career here, you know, you get exposed to so many different things before you go into your uh, specialty courses. So I think I changed my major like three times when I was in college. Sounds familiar. Yeah, <laughs> not for me, but I think a lot of people do that for <laughs> yeah, sure. That's cool. Um, and I found that I want, I know I wanted to go to grad school. I know that I wanted to do something within sociology. I wanted to do something within teaching. I wanted to do something on the make a difference kind of spectrum. And Spanish was, you know, my cheating way of getting there because I'm a native Spanish speaker. So I thought to myself, well, I'm a native Spanish speaker. So majoring in Spanish and Latin American literature and my undergrad won't be that difficult. I was very much not right about that. (laughs) Speaking Spanish and learning the actual Spanish language and the culture is so different when it comes into an academic setting. So that took me to say, hey, I really enjoy this. I enjoy teaching about my heritage. I enjoy teaching about my culture because I've enjoyed learning about something that is so close to my roots. So I said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go ahead and teach. And so I came back to California after doing my undergrad in Utah and I started looking at some schools here in California and, and I got my first opportunity to teach at High Tech High, which is a charter school system in San Diego, California. And 
I loved it. Middle school was where there was an opening and I don't think I could ever go to elementary or high school after that. I really enjoyed working with middle school students and that age and that phase where they're at. It was super rewarding. Um, can I ship my 13 year old son off to you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I, I love my son. And actually I, I think middle school is, I rem, I, you could not pay me a million dollars to go back to middle school myself. <laughs> But it is a really such an interesting time for mm-hmm. children because they like literally go from being a little kid to like a man or woman. Yes. Yes. In like these three years. It's nuts. A hundred percent, Carrie. I agree because it's this transition of I'm scared of letting go of my childhood and I feel the societal pressure to grow up. So there's still, you know, the academic portion of that, but where are the these, you know, as educators, these base foundation needs of their psychological behavior on adapting into society? So it was really beautiful to be a part of that. And when I was a part of that, I realized that a lot of our you know, teaching materials, a lot of the content that we were learning, uh, tech was playing such a bigger role in that, in that space and, and what we use on a daily basis. And so these tools were something that were going to help me be successful in the classroom. But I, I noticed that only certain type of schools were getting access to these tech resources and only a certain type of kids at home that fit in a demographic were getting access to these because their parents could afford to buy something like that. And it would put them at an advantage for the rest of their classmates. And so I thought, I want to go into tech. And that's where that started. And specifically, I want to do something ed tech that's going to make a difference in the school system. So from there, I decided, I don't know how tech works. Like, I don't know the first thing about building software. And my naive brain was thinking, I'm not a coder. Like, there's no way I could do any of that. I don't have any of those technical skills. And I don't have any of those business skills. Like, how do we, how do we keep something sustainable as far as it comes to revenue? Yeah. Um, and so that was my next step. My next step was... I want to learn more about growing a business and I want to focus it specifically on tech. And so, of course, this isn't a requirement for anyone that's wanting to go into tech. But for me, I wanted to pursue higher education. So that was my door into learning a little bit more of everything as far as it goes to business wise. So I went into the University of San Diego, as you mentioned, and I studied uh, globalization and tech specifically in other countries. So we were able to go to, you know, Google and Spain and Mercado Libre, which is the eBay of South America, and see the, te- the influence that technology had based on the culture and the communities that they were in and who the cool. users are specifically. Um, super interesting uh, path into tech. And so when I finished school, I said, I have to get in here somehow. And I think that that was the hardest part, honestly. It was saying, how do my skills apply into tech? Because 
it's something we don't say very often, but it's hard to break into it. And I yeah. think it's because it's this culture surrounding what we think people in tech should look like and be like mm-hmm. and sound like and the skills that they should bring with them. And I know we're going to talk about that, but it was difficult. So I just started applying to a bunch of tech companies. I didn't care what the platform or the product was. I just know I needed to break into that. And so after a couple of jobs, after grad school, I finally got into a software company and they are called Entrada and they were headquartered in Utah. And they do property management software, which is a great software, just so dull for myself as an educator. <laughs> no offense, but that's the first thing that came to my mind. Was like, yes, oh. yes. So yes. people might find that thrilling. That's just not our cup of tea. Totally, totally. Um, and through my time at Intrada, I was able to network and meet a ton of other people, specifically women in tech, and. I just saw that they were so fulfilled and passionate about the things that they were doing. And so through that networking, I I found people that were in a subsector of tech, which was ed tech. Um, and, you know, now I think of all the other things that we could solve with tech that are not just education. And so I think of things that give us purpose, that there's always a way that we can add a, like a portion of technology into that. So through that is how I found Skillstruck, and I I am so happy I did. I love the team that we have, and and I I love the impact that we're doing. So that's a long winded story. The coming to Skillstruck. It. I could listen to you speak all day. Now, <laughs> I totally agree with you on the idea that like you think there's a certain kind of person that's going to be in tech, right? Mm-hmm. And I talk about this in the classroom to boardroom coaching sessions with our course is like, you have so many skills. You just need to learn how to talk about them. You, first of all, you need to acknowledge them, learn how to talk about them and learn how to grow them. And that's why I love customer success so, so much because teachers have such a skill set that matches with customer success. And once you're in, I mean, I, when I was at eSpark in customer success, I was like buddies with the engineers and the people in marketing. And I learned so much about business. Um, And I just feel like customer success is a great gateway for that. So we're going to talk about that. And you, you kind of talked about how you knew that you wanted to do something other than teaching. So let me ask you this. When you made that transition, did you ever feel guilty about leaving? Yes, a hundred percent I did. I felt that the only way I was able to make a difference in these students' lives was by being in the classroom. And that guilt went away when I joined Skillstruck. 100% it went away because I mentor other young students and they're usually in the nonprofit world or wanting to get into technology. And they think that the only way that we can make a difference is through you know nonprofits and um, philanthropy, like, ways of doing work. And I think there's so many other ways of really making a difference. And so specifically within, within ed tech, um, as soon as I found out the way that our platform was being used, as soon as I was able to go into a classroom and I kid you not, Carrie, when we pushed the translation of our product into the Spanish language, 
I cried. Like I cried oh, when I finally God. saw our product in, an, in my native language. And so I pictured going into a classroom, you know, where it's a high enrollment of Latino students and a lot of them being, you know, uh, recently immigrated into this country and coming into seeing our platform on something that is so daunting for so many people that says computer science and coding and they they just click it clicks to them because they can understand it it's the language that they speak at home so that guilt went away really quick when i picture a student going into their classroom scared just overwhelmed with a new culture a new language a new home and being able to find that sense of belonging in a skill and what they know is most familiar to them, which is their language. And we get to be a part of that. We don't see it every single day, but we know that the things that we're building are going to make that impact. So that guilt went away because it feels like I'm still in the classroom. It's interesting. It's like every time I ask that question, it's the same answer. Yeah. It's the same answer. It's like, you can work for a for-profit that helps other businesses grow, but they have an underlying mission to provide shoes to homeless children. Mm -hmm. And you can still feel good about your work. Like there's so many other ways that you can feel like you're having impact out there. And so I think you're right. Once, if you pick the right place to work for with the right mission, the guilt goes away quickly. Yep. A hundred percent agree. Looking back on your career so far, how do you think you've grown or changed the most professionally? Yeah, I'd say that, you know, we're going to talk about hard skills here in a bit, but that is, I think, the thing that's changed me the most that I can add value to now as someone that works in, in ed tech, as a professional in ed tech. I had all those soft skills with me for like ever, and I think people that are educators naturally have those skills. You know, there's two different you know, areas of, of being like an educator. There's, of course, I want to say that 90% of us are people that really want to make a difference in students' lives. And, you know, the other 10% of us also want to do that, but also really enjoy the lifestyle of a teacher and, and the benefits that that provides us. And, but I think that those hard skills were things that make me now much more appealing when it comes to being in ed tech that I, that I grew and that I learned. And so, you know, as, as I've been growing my, my own department and being able to find how I can be a leader in customer success and ed tech, I always think to myself, I can teach all those hard skills. I a hundred percent could teach them. They're all technical skills. They're all software. They're all business, but I cannot teach soft skills. Like those are things no. that educators come ingrained with and candidates that I want to work in ed tech come ingrained with. So I think that that's where I've grown the most professionally. I use those soft skills, you know, humility and perseverance and ambition and all these things to really hone in on those technical skills that I needed to change more of that trajectory professionally. You know what I'm realizing as I get older? I'm 43. So like no matter how hard we try maybe to not be authentically ourselves, 
your authentic self comes out no matter what. Yeah. Like, it will come out. So in job interviews, when you're making changes, when you're dating, when you're building relationships with people, that right there is why you just need to be who you are, right? Mm-hmm. And be, and it, it goes so much to job, especially you like building a team right now. You want to be, you want to work every day with people that you like and make your life lighter and and more fun and work fun. And if you go to a job interview pretending to be someone that you're not, I really would put money on the fact that you're not going to be happy at the end of the day because. Mm-hmm you're not presenting who you are authentically. And so the person interviewing you or hiring you is thinking they're getting one person and then they get another. Um, So I just really feel passionate about just, you know, put your professional best foot forward, but just really be yourself. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, you know, as someone that's looking at so many candidates coming in and every time that I'm in, in interviews, I think, did I do this when I was in interviews myself? Or <laughs> I've actually been writing down questions that great candidates ask me. I'm like, I need to ask that in my next yeah. interview because that is mind blowing. But yes, I 100% agree. And I think that where we are now, specifically within tech, that we don't want you to leave your true self behind. Like, that's not what I'm looking for. I think that we've been able to build a culture and a community around tech and what people that work in that community look like and, and sound like and are like. And you know, there's pros and cons to that. But one of the pros of that is that we're pretty all unique. We have our quirks. We have things that make us different. You know, one of my favorite software tools to use, um, I'll just give them a quick shout out, Catalyst. They are a customer success platform and they bring out the truths and what it is to be a customer success manager and memes and jokes and funny videos. And that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that they're hiring people that are bringing the things that make them quirky and the things that like we think about, but we never say in the corporate and, you know, tech world, but we're all thinking it and it's hilarious. And it just lightens that load of the difficult things that we have to do on a day-to-day basis. So yes, I a hundred percent agree with you. I think that where we are now with tech and the people that we look for in this industry, they need to be themselves. Yeah. Okay. I have to sidestep and tell you a story that you're going to appreciate and I know the audience will. Okay. Okay. I just purchased a software for my bigger business educators to educators and they came back with a proposal and I was like, yeah, I don't like that number. We're going to make this smaller. (laughs) And one of my negotiation tools was I literally spent five years in tech customer success. I build my entire website, all our tech tools. Every once in a while I have to hire someone for like some pretty high level stuff, but like I am going to be the easiest onboarding you've ever had in your life. Like, Mm. because I knew that I would be able to handle it all. I know how to not annoy a customer success manager to death. (laughs) 
And it's hilarious. So they were like, okay, good point. So we worked it out. I signed the contract. I was onboarded, you know, handed off from the sales process into customer success to my CSM. And literally the other day, he's like, you might be the easiest onboarding I've ever had in my career at this company. And I was like, can you please tell your sales rep that? Oh my goodness. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Because I, but it like, it worked, but we want to talk about working in customer success. I've said it before, like, this is a great role for teachers to transition into. And just would love to hear, do you agree with that? And kind of what are your thoughts about teachers working in customer success? I 100% agree. So I want to step back from ed tech, right? And just tech overall in customer success. I think that there are so many skills that teachers and educators can bring into ed tech as a customer success manager. But stepping back from that, even if it's not ed tech, even if it's you know property management software that it happens to be, or if it's something completely different, like completely. Wait, I'm sorry, I had to wake back up after you said property. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I actually think that sounds pretty fascinating, but uh, yeah, it's no, I just totally sidetracked you. You're totally fine. You're totally fine. <laughs> yes, there are so many skills because you know, kind of how we were talking about the educator has already so many of those soft skills that a customer success manager plays. And so, you know, we, we hear the differences between sales and customer success and the roles that both of them play as part of revenue driven departments within technology and software products. And if I, if I'm going to be honest, I think both sales and customer success, they would just play a great role. Totally agree. Because they can put themselves in the shoes of the other person, which is what they do every single day with their students, which is what they do every single day with the parents. And they know how to handle being the balance between leadership in schools and the student and the parents at home. So that is exactly what a customer success manager does. It's balancing the needs of the company, protecting the resources that the company has and making sure it's growing really streamlined, but as well as putting the customer first too. So that's exactly what a customer success manager does. It's balancing between what's best for the customer and what's best for the company. And that's what a teacher does every single day in the classroom or a, or an administrator, or, you know, they, they're balancing the same thing with a board as well as what your teachers want. It's having those skills to know that you're advocating for two things that might need different things. You just need to bring them into a common bucket. So yes. I 100% agree. I love that. And one of the biggest things I had to teach my team when I would onboard, especially teachers coming in is just use those same skills that you used in the classroom. Like every time you got an email, did you reply to it right then and there? Like, did you stop everything you were doing? Cause I think, you know, one of the things I taught my team was really setting expectations about your customer mm -hmm. service. And, you know, if you're the person who's responding every second, that's what they're going to expect is that you respond within five minutes. Yeah. Um, and what do you do when the company scales and grows? And you can't do that with 300 accounts, yeah. right? And 
Um, so we talked a lot about that is like setting those expectations early on with your customers based on very many different things, which we won't go into right now. But I do agree with you that teachers have to learn how to kind of be people pleasers while protecting their own sanity and having their own healthy boundaries. So that is a fabulous answer. I love that. Let's talk about soft skills. So what are some of the soft skills that you think are required when you think of working in customer success or customer management? Yeah, I I love this question because as we've been building this team, we've thought about what's the number one soft skill that we look for in a customer success manager, specifically within ed tech. And so we've built a whole interview process around, show me your empathy. That's the number one thing that I look for in customer success managers within ed tech, because as a previous educator and not even just as a previous educator, I mean, I think anyone knows, and we've realized that over the last year that educators have a hard job, very hard job because they're playing, you know, multiple roles. They're playing parent, they're playing guardian, they're playing therapist, teacher, educator, so many things. And so we've been able to, we've known that for a while, but now that we're in a space where their day just got 10 times more complicated, we need to to put ourselves in their shoes. And so that's the number one skill that I look for with customer success managers is do you have empathy to what the educator slash our consumer is going through? Because if you can't do that, then you will not be able to build a successful pathway for them because you can't put yourself in their shoes. You don't know what they're going through. So how do you know what is success for them? So when you're saying that, I think about, I used to work with Miami Dade schools, which as you know, is like in the ed tech world, it's like one of the most massive accounts you can have. I mean, they're like mm-hmm. top five school districts. And I always tell this story. I went in there with our salesperson. She and I were doing like an end of the year meeting and talking about the next year. And, you know, they were here having company after company after company in there. And everybody was kind of like on their devices. And, and my friend did her intro. And then I stood up and I was like, I'm Carrie Conover. They had never really met me before. And I said, I taught in Chicago public schools for 10 years. And I was one of the first teachers in the nation to get an iPad cart in their classroom. And I kid you not, every single one of them like put down their phone, tilted down their computer and looked up because they were like, she actually knows what it's like to teach in a big urban district. She's been there. And it gave me that credibility. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think we should be proud of that ability to have that empathy because we have been in their shoes. Oh, I completely agree, Carrie. Like not just being, you know, let's, let's put ourselves in the educator's shoes, but let's take it even a step down and, and, and even more into that and say, let's put ourselves in these students' shoes. Yes. Because as an educator, we, we do that. We do that. And, you know, it takes an emotional toll on us, but we, we should do that as vendors and platforms as well. Like if our educators are doing it, we should be doing it too. And one of the best examples I've ever heard of that was my mentor, also in ed tech, great on the customer experience side. She's amazing. She has, 
she gave me a story once and she said, you know, I went into one of these meetings at the end of the year and we went to this district in Southern Texas and my sales counterpart was wearing this, you know, suit and tie and looked all perked up and just all clean. And, and I, and I see him and I say, what are you doing? What are you wearing that? And he's like, what? Like, this is like, these are the clothes I wear when I come to like a sales meeting and whatnot. And in that moment, you know, a young, a young student walks by, sees him, terrifies and like runs away from him. And he's like, well, what, what did I do wrong? Like, I don't understand. And she says, we are in a rural small school in Southern Texas near the border. The only thing that that student probably knows or these students probably know are that men that look like you and are dressed like you are not like coming into an ed tech platform from a from an ed tech platform provider. It's a different situation for them and yeah. what it looks like. So being able to see that on the CX side of things and on the CS side of things that we need to to have a certain perspective of our students as well and what their needs are. So yes, putting ourselves in the shoes of our educators, but also putting ourselves in what is the content that we're putting out for these students? Are we talking about these big important things that they're being taught in school, which, you know, sustainability, the environment, and are we reflecting that within our own platforms and to stay up to date what is important with not just the student, but the parents and the, the teachers and the administrators as well. Great perspective. Let's shift and talk about hard skills. So, you know, we talked about empathy. What are some of the hard skills that you think could put a candidate maybe in the front of a line if they have it for a CS position? Yes. I think one of the hard skills that are always, especially if I'm looking for a very entry-level customer success position, as simple as knowing what is a customer life cycle look like? Let me take a Udemy course or something of the sort that tells me what is customer success? What does it entail on the business and the things? Why does it even exist? And how does it fit into a business model? So there's that aspect of it, right? Being aware and comfortable when explaining, I know why this function of a business is so vital and important. So there's things that come with that, right? Like what tools do you use? So we use a lot of CRM platforms. You know, we I'm sure we've talked about them here before. Uh, we talk about HubSpot. We talk about software that shows us how the health of our customers and users are doing. And we input that through multiple formulas and data. So that is one of those hard skills, you know, being able to make data-driven decisions and be able to interpret that data and what it means for us on a daily basis. And so I think that that's not a skill that's unfamiliar to educators because their whole, you know, teaching model revolves around data. And so that's a whole other topic with standardized testing and whatnot. But it's it's true. Like a lot of our decisions get based off of data and our assessments. So it's not a skill that should be unfamiliar to an educator, but it is a skill that I would totally just 
tell people about when I'm interviewing because it's one of the most important ones that you need as a CSM. How is the data that we're seeing, not just on the product side, but you know, on the testimonial side, what we're hearing from our educators, what we're, the feedback that we're receiving, what does that mean? And what are we gonna do with it? That is the most important part of being in customer success that if you're asking for all this feedback, if you're taking in all of this data, it's all great and good, but what are you going to do with it? If you don't do anything with it, then why do you even have those processes in place? And it's a waste of revenue and resources because it's one of the most vital parts of CX overall being able to listen to your users. And again, that's something that educators do really well. They, they listen every day and they do stuff with the things that they hear from their students and their leadership. They're, they're supposed to take that feedback, rein it in and create something even better than what originally was there. Love it. You know, customer success is really not that old. Mm-mm. I read an interesting book a while back called Customer Success. There's three authors, Murphy, I think Steinman, I can't think the other one. It's a blue book if anybody wants to look it up. But it's super interesting. In the first couple chapters, they go through the history of customer success and why, how it was born through, mostly through like companies like Salesforce. Mm-hmm. It's in such an interesting read because it came, you know, through the fact that we were going to software as a service and longer term contracts. And like, what does that look like? So it's, it's, it's customer success is fun because there are experts out there, Mm -hmm. but a lot of customer success is being invented as we go, especially with new companies. So I think that's super exciting in itself. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's super exciting. You know, as, as previous educators, we're used to being able to wear many hats and we touched on this right the the things that a customer success manager does overview 101 and i was listening to another podcast actually from catalyst who i mentioned earlier called nps i love you um and <laughs> it, it was awesome if you're a customer success manager you know what nps means and you're, yes, you're obsessed do. with it probably an un- unhealthy obsession with it. No, that actually reminds me, NPS is something I need to put in classroom to boardroom. I have not taught NPS. I don't know why I that slipped my mind, but I just wrote in big letters, NPS. NPS. <laughs> <laughs> I got to do the good old NPS lesson. You got to do it. It's super. Yes. And so I was listening to this podcast earlier today and it was talking about you know, the role customer success managers play in any software company. And the thing is that you are able to to take on multiple hats. You need to understand what is the sales cycle look like? What is the product sprint look like? And how does that affect like customer knowledge base? Um, how is that gonna affect trends that we see on the support side? How does marketing you know, campaign works and how does that affect current customers, not just new logo acquisitions or new customers that you get. So you get to see and be a part of like eight different functions within a business. And that is a lot, but it's not again, unfamiliar to educators because they're not just doing one thing. They're not a nine to five 
this is my expertise and I only focus on this. It's from nine to five. I'm going to be multiple roles. And that's exactly what customer success is. It's, it's going to be an easy transition to knowing that you play a part in more than one part of the business. Love it. Let's wrap up with our time today. Would you just share out any last advice you have for teachers who are out there looking to transition into just really any role at an education company? Yeah, I I would say specifically when you're looking into ed tech, milk those hard and soft skills that you got as an educator because really at the end of the day, we're trying to make platforms easier and more accessible, not just for your students, but for you as educators. So if you can put yourself in those shoes of, hey, I'm going to go ahead and put my expertise in here the best I can to show that my everyday skills apply to what we're trying to do as a product. Because the best colleagues and coworkers that I've had our previous educators, and they come in with a frontline view of what our consumer needs. So use that. Use that you know what it is to be their consumer and totally use that to your advantage and the interview and say what your hurdles were, what you struggled with, like with using different platforms and how you can be a solution to those things. That's exactly what we're looking for. I love it. Well, Donnelly, thank you so much for taking the time out of your very busy day to be with us, to talk customer success. I loved learning about your dogs, Rizzo and Coco, um, and more about you. And I know you and I are going to be collaborating more in the future, but I want you to know today in this moment, I really appreciate the time that you've spent with all of us and with all of our listeners. Thank you, Carrie. I really appreciate it. Once again, if you are interested in our podcast, make sure you subscribe so 